Everyone, remain calm. Yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. And later there's running and screaming. Somebody talk to me, what is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. You're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. You want to consult here or in my bungalow? <laughs> Hold on to your butt. Well, we're back. Hello and welcome to the 132nd episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I am your host, Brad Jost, and we are here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we have some fun news to cover for Jurassic Park's 25th anniversary. After that, we present episode 14 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park from Arjun Boss. Last time, we heard a cool crossover between the ongoing Extinction Level story and Jurassic Park 3 story, as well as a cliffhanger for 2017 that ended with a vehicle crashing in the jungle. In store for us this week, we'll hear the aftermath of that crash and learn even more about the virus that is ravaging the wildlife. After Extinction Level, I usually give my thoughts on the episode, but this week it'll be a little bit different. I'll be going over the episode this week in the Visitor Center with the creator of Extinction Level, Arjun Boss. But speaking of the Visitor Center, I will be chatting with Arjun all about his Jurassic fandom, the creation of Extinction Level, and so, so much more. I've been really dying to speak with him all about all that stuff, so I hope you really enjoy that segment. All right, well, we've got a packed episode, so why don't we get this one started off? with a bit of Jurassic news from around the world. 18 minutes and your company catches up on 10 years of research. Access rate program. Access security. These pictures were taken in hospital in Costa Rica 48 hours ago. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Boy, my head being right all the time. But today, I guarantee it. This week, Universal announced a very fun way to relive and recreate your favorite memories from Jurassic Park for its 25th anniversary for a chance to win some money and some prize packs, which is really cool. So I'm gonna dive into the details here. They shared this all via a video and some more information on their website. So if you wanna find out this information, actually head to jurassicworld.com JP25. I'm gonna go through some of that stuff here. All right, so one of the first ways that you can enter this contest is to relive your favorite moments from Jurassic Park. Now, doing so, you will actually create a video that tells your story, and uh, they have a few um, ideas for you to share here. So, including stuff like your first memory of seeing Jurassic Park, a moment that made you jump out of your seat, or the impact the film has had on your life. Now, if your video is chosen, it will be shared and experienced by Jurassic Park fans all across their social media channels and so on. And the prize pack is actually pretty interesting here. So it looks like 24 winners will be awarded $250 and a Jurassic Park shirt. Now there's one grand prize winner that will receive $1,000 and a Jurassic Park shirt and a new Jurassic World prize package and a surprise item. Now there's a few details that you have to be weary of when creating your video. They don't want uh, any kind of third party toys or logos, books, games, shoe logos, clothing, or any objects from other franchises 
than Jurassic Park. Um, they want you to try to use a blank wall or empty outdoor area for your video. I guess that makes it easier so you don't have those objects in the background. Um, and they don't want any kind of music in your submission. They're all also looking for stories and memories about Jurassic Park, not Jurassic World. So try to keep it concise to just that movie since it is the 25th anniversary for that movie. Now there's a bunch more details and rules and restrictions and whatnot. So I'm gonna leave that to you to find out. I'll leave the link to all this stuff in our show notes. All right, so the next way that you can enter this contest is to recreate your favorite moments from Jurassic Park. Um, now you can do this in any way. They have a few examples here, animation or il illustration, toys, family members, pets. Now, along with that, like I said before, with the other prize pack, if your video is chosen, it, this one will actually be intercut with original film footage and of course shared across all their social media channels. Now, again, this is basically the same prize pack here. I don't know if this is, uh, uh, you know, if it's different prize packs for each submission or they're just the same, I'm not really sure but it does say the same thing. 24 winners will be awarded $250 Jurassic Park t-shirt, and the one grand, grand prize winner will receive $1,000, a t-shirt, and Jurassic World prize package, and one surprise item. Same thing goes with all the logos, uh, the other uh, franchises and whatnot, so try to keep all that stuff out of your videos. So again, more details on that uh, on their websites. Now, this contest is only available for a few more days, not too long actually, until January 20th. 22nd at 11:59 p.m. Pacific time. It looks like participants should be 13 years or older at the time of entry. You have to, you don't have to purchase anything, so don't worry about that. There's a lot more rules. Uh, you can look them all up and uh, find out more. This is going to be a really, really fun contest. I can't wait to see all the results of this to see how people relive their favorite moments or you know their favorite memories. That's kind of what we've been all about here on this podcast is is reliving those memories and finding out what brought you to this franchise and what keeps you around. So I'm interested to hear what people do with that and also the more creative side of this contest with the recreation of scenes from the movies. That's gonna be really fun to watch. I can't wait to see more on that. So again, head to our show notes, find the video that they posted and also more information on how to enter this contest. Oh, there it is. There it is. And now, episode 14 of Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Previously on Extinction Level Jurassic Park. A small private jet crash landed earlier today. I'd like to take a team and go to the old research compound to... That's the team on the other end. They are going to track them. We're very close to finding a cure. Certainly now that I have this. Yeah, what is that? This device will help me transfer the data from the tapes neural data center. Where can I do my research? What is it? That thing was infected. Oh. But this howler monkey was dead within days. The disease must have changed. I want to go and check the beach again. There are people down there. Is that Dr. Grant? We need to move. We can let the security team know they can find them here. Maybe we should... What the... Ow. Extinction level episode 14. Crash. Henry's Humphy had slammed with the side against the tree, stopping the car instantly, and the motor turned off. Hurt at his side, Tim looked eyes wide at the gun in his hands, squeezed in between him and the door of the car he had slammed against, his eyes close to the end of the barrel. Thankful the gun hadn't gone off, he pushes himself away from the side. Ah. Raymond, sitting in the middle of the front of the car, pressed against Henry, pushed himself away and turns to look at Henry, who was also conscious, shaking his head. Oh, jeez, Henry. What happened? Ugh. 
Carlos, grip it. Then Henry Woolley's back at Tim, who's groaning softly. You alright, Tim? Yeah. I think I'm okay. Just hurt my arm a bit when I slammed into the side. Now what are we gonna do? Henry tries to restart the engine. It whirs and sputters, but it does not start. Then Wood tries to open the door, but it's dented inwards and doesn't budge. My door is blocked, broken. Raymond, can you get on your side? Raymond looks outside his window and looks around. He listens for a moment. Come on, Ray. I need you to take a look at the engine. You know engines, right? Uneasy now, Raymond looks at Henry. The response uncertain. Yeah, sure. Raymond gets out, looks back, sees nothing and walks to the front of the car, opening the hood. Smoke billows out and Raymond comes walking back to his door and leans in. It doesn't look good, Henry. Hopefully it's just loosened some wires, but we'll know soon enough. Tim, can you give me that box underneath my seat? There should be a small toolbox there. Tim reaches underneath the right front seat and takes out a small toolbox, which he hands to Raymond. Thanks. Raymond walks back to the front and disappears behind the hood of the Humvee. You think he can get it fixed? Let's hope so. I wouldn't like to walk the whole way back. You think there are dinosaurs out there? Finding this funny, Henry Wu laughs, looking back at Tim with a smile. <laughs> Tim, I know there are dinosaurs out there. We put them there, remember? Seriously, I mean, you don't think the T-Rex will come after us? Come on, Tim. You still have that gun to shoot it with if you came around the corner, right? At that moment, they hear Raymond. Jeez! Something thuds on the floor, chittering. Silence. Raymond muttering. Raymond! You alright? Yeah, I'm fine. A little bugger just scared me, is all. <laughs> what do you want? Go! Henry! Give it a go, would you? Okay. You invited your friends, huh? Henry turns the ignition, sputtering the engine comes back to life. Good! Raymond closes the hood and reveals a bunch of consignatids, chittering and jumping around him. Raymond points at them for Henry and Tim. Get a load of these guys, huh? What do you think they want? Go on now. Get out the road or we'll run you over. Shoot! Within the car, Henry turns a little nervous. Raymond, get in the car. We should go. They're not dangerous, right? You said compies are scavengers. Cleaning up the dino down? Yes. And no. From the forest to the side, a compie jumped onto the hood of the car, screeching at Raymond and almost immediately jumping onto Raymond's face, biting him on the nose. <gasps> Raymond throws the animal off and turns to look at it, while it joins its friends surrounding Raymond. He makes a move to the door of the car, and the animals move aside. That wasn't nice! Get out of here! Raymond kicks dirt at the animals, which take a little more distance, but they keep watching him. Confused, Raymond shakes his head, rubbing his lightly bleeding nose, spreading the blood over his face. Come on, Ray! Get in! Dazed, Raymond walks towards the door and gets in. The animals try to make one last move, jumping at the door as Raymond closes it, and they jump up in disappointment. Henry puts the car in gear, and as the car starts to move, the animals scatter away. Henry looks at Raymond, who is wiping the blood of his face with a paper tissue. You okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just a little lightheaded as well. Why did they do that? They can be aggressive. Come on, let's go back and get you looked at. They drive off, returning to the worker village. The moment they returned to the worker village, Tim and Henry took Raymond to his room and into bed in the hope he would recover soon from his lightheadedness, which had become worse on their way back. Seeing Raymond now gently sleeping, Tim looks up at Henry. I think I'll take a moment too in my room.
Okay, I'd better let Mr. Mizrani know we've returned. They part their ways, and Henry makes his way to the control room, finding Mizrani inside, looking straight at him with his back to the room. Mr. Mizrani. Henry, good to have you back. Found what you are looking for. Took you long enough. Yeah, I think I have what I need. But I'll have to analyze the data we retrieved, which I'll do immediately after. I just can't tell you that we've returned and found your stray guests. They were at the compound. They were, huh? Vic Hoskins, sitting back, relaxed in the room, to the right of the door, had returned with the search party. Henry Wu had not noticed him sitting there yet, behind him. He turns to look at him, surprised. Hey, you're back. Yeah, of course. Gotta eat, you know. Did you bring my T-Rex sample? Certainly. Hoskins tosses a small vial towards Henry, who snatches it out of the air. Careful! And yeah, I think you should go look quickly. They're being chased by raptors. Raptors, huh? Then they'd be lucky to survive at all. Vic, just get your team and go pick them. The first day tomorrow. Hoskins gets up to leave the room. Tomorrow? Hoskins turns to explain, pointing outside to the jungle, making wild hand gestures. Look, those people out there are responsible for getting lost out here on the island. I'm responsible for my team, and it'll be getting dark real soon. I'm not risking my men out there. Certainly not in the company of Injun's most dangerous assets running around. Right now, they're either dead or they found shelter, which will make them harder to find. Trust me, we have a better chance in the morning. Alright, Vic. Daylight tomorrow morning. Sure thing. And take Murphy. The kid? Why? It's what I brought him here for. Say, he represents John Hammond's legacy. I thought that's what those creatures were. Just take him. Muttering Hoskins leaves the room. There's always something. But where's that case of scotch on those good days? Are you sure about Tim? Why do you ask? Never mind. I'll get back to my work. Good. Good. Who turns to leave too? Henry, have you seen Raymond by any chance? Ah, uh, yes. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, that was the other thing. Raymond helped me out. Good. He's back now too. Hoskins can deal with our uninvited guest, I'm sure. I need to get back to the mainland. Yeah, the thing is... I have is... other business to attend to. Thing? We had a little incident. Oh, don't worry. He's okay. He just needs to rest a little. How much rest do you think he needs? Give him the night. I'm hopeful he'll be well tomorrow. I'll keep a close watch on him. You are hopeful? Henry, I need my pilot. This remark is followed by an awkward silence for a few long seconds. Neither man knows what to say. Masrani looks outside the control tower, seeing the helicopter standing idle below on the ground, a short distance away. I should have taken flying lessons when I had the chance. Sorry, sir. What if he's not well in the morning? I don't think... I don't know. I can't stay here. A control worker speaks out. <coughs> Sorry, but I overheard. There will be a supply ship early morning. They could take you back to the mainland after unloading. Okay, that will be the backup plan. Let the captain of the supply ship know they may have another passenger. Okay, sir. Henry, check on Raymond early in the morning and let me know. Alright then. Good night, sir. Alright then. And uncomfortable, Henry will leave the control room, closing the door behind him. Back on the beach on Isla Matanceros, Marti Guterres walks along the jungle line, attempting to locate a living specimen of the Comsognathus. The sun is setting and it is getting darker. Waves are softly crashing on the sandy beach into the distance and Guterres is losing hope to find anything today. Then he spots something, a large figure further along the beach, washed up on the shore. 
waves washing over it. He looks back at Gonzalo, who came along. Gonzalo! He signals Gonzalo to follow him, and they approach the figure, partly buried in the sand. An almost white carcass of a man-high animal, not clearly distinguishable, but with a skin of leathery texture. Then Gonzalo reaches him, spotting the clawed foot of the animal. ¿Es esto lo que yo creo? I'm afraid so. Tenemos que destruirlo tan pronto como sea posible, para prevenir contaminación. Gonzalo turns and runs back. With the sun going down, the sky turning a dark blue, Marta Guterres approaches the carcass, staring at it for a moment as the waves keep washing over it. Marty puts on gloves, nearing the carcass carefully, covering his nose against the smell. He pulls the carcass out of the waves, onto the beach. From his jacket, Marty takes a syringe and a test tube with a liquid substance. Then Gonzalo returns, followed by Andrea, who is carrying a flamethrower, shouting. Por favor, retírese! No, espera! Quiero obtener una muestra. Moving quickly now, Marty pushes the syringe inside the carcass to get a tissue sample. As he does so, Andrea pushes past Marty, trying to push Marty away from the carcass, and the needle breaks. Andrea lights the carcass on fire, and quickly Marty backs up a few steps more, moving away from the heat. Disappointed, Marty looks down at his syringe, with only a very small sample. He adds the entire sample to the substance in the test tube, which reacts, turning brown. Marty, feeling terrible of what this discovery means, slowly falls back through his knees onto his butt, sitting on the beach, knees high, staring at the burning carcass. These dead carcasses can wash up anywhere. I'm sorry, John. I just can't keep this quiet any longer. While the carcass burns, its muscles contract, and the hat and tail lift up. Andrea jumps back in fright as this happens. <laughs> to an annoying eye, it would be clearly recognizable as a male velociraptor. Quills on its head, eyes already gone, and sockets flaming. Guterres takes a satellite phone and dials a number. Waiting for the phone call to go through, Guterres looks at the sharp teeth of the carcass, now clearly visible, standing out against the flames. Jorge? Again, Andrea lights the flamethrower, and Guterres imagines the sound of the flames as though it's is the velociraptor snoring. Alert our contact at the door, and tell him that the quarantine on Isla Sorner is failing. These animals should all be destroyed to stop the spreading of a deadly disease. The flames stand out against the darkening sky as the carcass falls back again to the ground, still burning. Guterres' eyes follow sparks of the flames spiraling up into the darkening sky, where they disappear among appearing stars. Let's open up the doors to the Visitor Center and speak with Arjun Boss, the creator of the audio drama Extinction Level Jurassic Park. Welcome back to the Visitor Center, the spot where we chat with people doing cool Jurassic work in and out of the community. And today I'm joined by somebody who actually has been on the podcast quite a bit over the past year, but we really haven't gotten the chance to know him or find out what drove him to create Extinction Level Jurassic Park. So uh, let's welcome in the radio drama producer, Arjun Boss. How you doing, dude? Hey, hey. thank you for welcoming me. And yeah, I'm doing fine. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I'm really excited to, to finally get this, you know, recorded and done because you've been on the podcast for quite a while and we've never 
I don't think we've we've never personally talked like uh, on a recording. No. So <laughs> no, this is the first time indeed. So yeah, my second my second time I'm on a podcast. So yeah. <laughs> in, in like the interviews stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other times we're all recording for uh, Extinction Level. Yeah, it's it's so funny because. Um, I, I talk with people about the podcast and I'm like, yeah, I, I actually have never talked to that person or I've never, you know, I've never like met any of these people or it's so funny that how, how all this works yeah. and how everybody can come, you know, come together and uh, produce content. And I think uh, Extinction Level is probably the perfect uh way to do that. It, there's so many people coming together, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I do yeah. want to ask you uh, a question that I ask every guest on the podcast. So, um, if you were stuck in a kitchen with a Velociraptor, what would you do, and would you make it out alive? Okay. Uh, well, I think what I what I would do is I would start screaming at the raptor, hoping it get confused. Yeah. And of course, it wouldn't be confused, and I'll just get myself killed very quickly. <laughs> 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 I love that because you just you face the facts and you're like, um, it's not going to be confused. It knows exactly what I'm doing and it's not scared at all. So um, it's just yeah, going to get me no matter just, what. Just a split second when I think I'm winning and then uh, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, you're like, all right, I'm going to scream. This is going to be the best idea I've ever had. You start screaming, <laughs> ah, and then it just, the raptor's like, it does that thing a dog does where it like tilts its head to the side and it like looks at yeah, you like, maybe something huh? like that. what is something he doing? like that. <laughs> and then just eats you anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, okay, let's just go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I, after all these times and, uh, asking that question, I don't have a better answer myself. I just, I don't know. I like to think I'd be able to make it out, but I really doubt it i mean that that was such luck and and yeah there's no experience i think that'll get you out of that situation it's not like a trained raptor where you can just like hold up your hand and, and just be like no stay but uh yeah, exactly. yeah this, it's a little bit different in this e- situation and it even has to know you like it knows owen so it didn't know uh, hoskins and hoskins was going after that as well so yeah does the, even that doesn't work <laughs> Um, all right, so I uh, I want to talk about – we're actually going to do this mid-episode, so this is uh, interesting. We haven't done this before, so we're going to actually analyze um, Extinction Level episode – what was it? 14, I believe. Um, yep. So I'm sure people have heard Extinction Level already, but it's the uh, audio drama where you tell the story that you created um, basically taking place after The Lost World and tying into Jurassic Park 3 and also leading into Jurassic World. It's this amazing – like tie-in of so much stuff and uh i i love it and i actually do these like wrap-ups and i don't know if i get all the details right every time i'm kind of just attacking it as a viewer myself and just listening to or not a viewer i guess it's it's audio but um as a listener myself and just kind of walking myself through it and and analyzing what i heard and and what i think it means so i'm kind of following along with everybody as they're listening um so this time I actually want to do it a little bit differently and I have you here. So why don't we just discuss this episode, you know, together? I thought that would be a fun idea. Yeah, I think so too. All right. It's really funny to, to listen to your analysis afterwards every time for <laughs> me because it's also for me the things that I uh, come up with and that they come over correctly or not. You do yeah. get a lot of it right, so that's good. That's a good sign, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. I never know if I'm like, you know, stepping on the plot's toes or anything, or, or, uh, you know, just making up my own theories that don't make any sense. So I'm always just like, oh man, I hope I'm on the right path that's here. Also, well. you're, produ- 
You're pretty on point. But that's just the case with any uh, any kind of you know speculation or discussion. You know, we talk about Fallen Kingdom all the time here, and it's like I don't know what's going to happen, but this is what I think is going to happen. And then I, I always imagine the people that know what's happening are just laughing at me, like you're such an idiot. That's not that's not what's happening at all. <laughs> yeah, who knows? So, <laughs> yeah, who knows? No um, clue. We'll we'll know in a few months. I think so. Yeah, pretty soon. Um, and uh, so for this episode, it was titled Crash, right? Um, and yeah. le- last episode, we found out um, well, at the end of the episode, they're driving that Hummer. Uh, it was Dr. Wu, Raymond, and Tim, and the vehicle crashed somehow. I guess it like lost its grip, smashed into a tree, and it was like this big cliffhanger over Christmas break. I, uh, yeah. I loved that, how, how that worked what, out. What you? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. They come as a surprise to me as well, what what the ending and when the episodes air. So what the episodes end with and how they air just at the right moment. It's really, really good luck. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's so funny how that's worked out recently. There's been a few points where it just worked out perfectly, the timing. So that was a great one, how it just yeah. like left us with this cliffhanger. And then we get into this episode where we're talking and discussing like basically um, – <clears throat> I guess like mid series in a way, so you still got a lot lined up. But uh, as for yeah. this episode, I guess um, we do find out that uh, they're kind of snapping out of it after this crash. The Hummer yeah. is having a difficult uh, time starting and all that. So, what do you do? You ask somebody to get out and and check the engine, of course. But does that that doesn't always like go the way as as planned, right? No, no, <laughs> exactly. I have no clue. I, I don't I don't know that much about engines. <laughs> Oh no! So I just have I, I just have Raymond knowing all that stuff, and I just have him looking. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have to describe what else what he's doing there. <laughs> yeah, just leave it to him. The camera stays in the car, so you're with them, and then Raymond's outside, not yeah. knowing what he is doing. But um, but he does. He gets the car started. But um, you know, compies show up. What else happens when you know somebody's alone by themselves out where you can't actually see them too well? Dinosaurs show up. So that's yeah. what happens here. Yeah. And uh, the way I, I sensed it is like is actually the way that um, uh, most of the characters in these movies have sensed it is they don't take the compies too seriously. Yeah. So what happens is he gets himself in some trouble by not taking himself taking them too seriously. He gets bit, and uh, he's a bit dazed, but actually gets back in the vehicle. So it doesn't end up like Dieter Stark or anything like that. So that's a oh, good thing. Survives. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. that that does, I guess, beg the question because they get him, you know, um, back to the worker village, and uh, what, so so they want to get him some rest. They want to get Tim some rest. But I feel like, at the same time, um, Doctor Wu knows something about about what happened, and he's he's a little um, unsure. And as he's like explaining the events as to what happened, like was was with uh, Mizrani and Hoskins and stuff. That's what I got, I got the sense of. Because every time somebody asks him, like, "Oh, what happened out there? What happened with Raymond? How is he?" He's just like, "Um, he he'll be fine." <laughs> Yeah, he's very uncomfortable because Masrani plans to leave at this time, mm-hmm. and that's why yeah, I need my I need my pilot. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah Masrani. No I I really want to know what Masrani is up to because he's just like I gotta leave. I have to leave now. We have to get off the island. He's just like so concerned with getting off, and he's even like yeah. begging somebody to to you know hitch him a ride on a boat. <laughs> so yeah. he's pretty serious. But 
he's I a get... very very busy businessman so yeah, that's and, true <laughs> indian is not, is not his only concern yeah very true <laughs> very true so i but i get the sense you know after all this storyline we get this main storyline here which I, I i kind of assume is like the main story with tim and and whatever's happening on uh sorna and and then we get a side story with gutierrez but that side story tells us so much about this main story and i i feel like there's yeah. there's an issue here with Raymond getting bit and maybe he's infected or I don't know how quickly this this uh, transpires the sickness but after hearing well, this it stuff usually, it usually didn't go that fast because uh, in a few earlier uh, a few earlier episodes back uh, we had Gutierrez also talking about the girl that was bitten on Sorna mm-hmm. and she was still alive but uh, she wasn't too feeling too well still but that's four years in, so it didn't go that fast early on. Mm-hmm. But if, like we uh, noticed with the monkey from in, in the story of Gutierrez as well, um, that monkey died very quickly. So that's something may have changed. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I'm getting the sense that like this thing is rapidly changing and evolving and – it might not look good for Raymond in the future, but as of right now, he's okay. He's resting. Uh, so, like I said, uh, Dr. Wu meets with Mizrani and Vic Hoskins, so it's really cool to get Vic Hoskins in this story even more. Um, and I liked one of the details that you had here. What's that? I love that character, Hoskins. Yeah, yeah I know. He, there's so much you can expand upon with that character, you know? Yeah, I really, I really was. Uh, yeah, it's a shame he died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> In Jurassic World, but this is before, so I. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, really. I mean, because the only thing they expanded upon in Jurassic World was like that little tiny backstory with this like wolf or dog or something, and and his wife. So it's like very minimal. Um, but at yeah. least now he's he's like part of this team, and we know he's part of this team around. 2001 where uh jurassic world uh, jurassic park 3 takes place so and and i love the entire story that you've been leading up to here where his team is kind of weaving in and out of that story as well they seemed like they're hot on the heels of of the uh the essentially the intruders from jurassic park 3 that they you know they crash land on the island and he's kind of like on their trail the whole time except now he's just like yeah it's getting a little bit too dark i don't want to be out there at night um (laughs) You know, there's things like raptors and stuff Got out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really funny. Uh, sometimes I like the, the parts that uh, that that I come up with. <laughs> yeah, it, it's so funny how all this stuff ties in, and I do love that aspect of it. And even one of the little points here is like, I think Wu asked him like, "Hey, did you get that thing or whatever?" And, and Hoskins like, "Here," and he chucks like a small vial of like I'm assuming T Rex pee. <laughs> that's what it's no, it's a sample. <laughs> it's a like, sample for Wu trying to see if the T Rex was uh, had oh, the okay. like, as well. I I heard like small vial, and my instant thought was like the only time I've ever heard a sample <laughs> of T Rex is like that small vial of T Rex pee. <laughs> Yeah, that's a different thing. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, you might be able to get a good sample out of that. I don't know. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said here, it looks like uh, Hoskins doesn't want to risk the life of his his men. Um, but Mizrani does convince him to take Tim with him, I guess, maybe in the morning, to try to yeah. intercept these uh, uninvited guests. 
And uh, uh, Mazrani, he's just, like we said, crazed to get back to the mainland. Um, and, uh, yeah, so this is that point where Dr. Wu was like, yeah, he should only need a night's rest. He should be able to get you back to the mainland, uh, pilot you back. I'm sure he'll be fine. We'll see. But uh, I'm, I'm betting no, but I don't really know specifically. So um, what's the next thing here? So... Yeah, so he leaves via boat. But then we kind of transfer over to Gutierrez. And uh, I, I do love this storyline, too. It's it's so intriguing. And, and I've, I've just been, like, wondering what is happening. And, you know, the tone of this side of the story is so different than the other side. It's I feel like the other side is very adventurous and very fun and, and exciting. And then this one is always, like, the music is very curious and, and like, concerning. And, and uh, James does Gutierrez, right? So... He is. Uh, he's. He's. He does a great job with that character, and I love how like how serious he takes that part of the the role here. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful for James because he very early on he came to yeah came back to me with uh, very very much enthusiasm uh, doing John Hammond, which he did a really great job on, and he wanted more. He wanted to do more. So then <laughs> he, he asked if uh, some other role. Um, so then he got Gutierrez as well because that was one of the earlier roles in the part as well. So I could use someone to do that. Yeah, at and first, he, at first yeah. I thought he asked you if he could have every role because that's <laughs> that's the way it seemed. <laughs> well, I think if if I wanted to give him every role, he would have done it. <laughs> yeah, but absolutely. No, I, I wanted to involve more people from the community. <laughs> you know, he's he's super versatile. He's got like a, a great range when it comes to his voices, and he he's yeah. for sure could have tackled everybody. It's it's great. I love hearing yeah. all that, and I'm excited because like it's it's a great performance, and there's a great differ uh, difference between like his John Hammond and Gutierrez here because like I said, it's yeah. very curious, and we're we're all about like finding clues it's kind of he's he's basically like a detective on, on this uh, other island Matanceres, right um yeah so as far as finding clues it doesn't look like he's finding anything he's kind of like on the verge of giving up but then he spots something large over on the shore um so he's got this guy gonzalo with him they approach this like leathery carcass it's got a clawed foot and G- gonzalo's like i'm out of here like uh, i'm i'm going so i was like oh no did he just run away but uh, no, he didn't. He he came back with uh, Andrea, and uh, in that time, Gutierrez has pulled this body away from the water or the shore, and uh, surprisingly, they come back with um, uh, what you, a flamethrower, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just yeah, like it's actually one of the scenes from the Lost World book in the novel. I think um, it's uh, one of the parts that Clayton uh, Fiorini, Fiorini oh, okay. uh, lately gave some uh, comments on, on in one of his videos yeah and um it's it's really hard for me to, not to give every detail away once I, every time i see something that comes back into this story yeah. but this was one of those uh, parts from the novel that i put in that is so i love that that is so it's, cool. it's a different setting but it, it, it's the uh, the same kind of uh, atmosphere i think yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so they just like just ignite that thing, light it on fire, and Gutierrez is sample. Like he just doesn't get it. Um, this body's burning. So, and and one of the parts I liked. Uh, uh, James, he got just enough sample for to to recognize that this he? body also has. Um, okay. 
was it was infected. I wasn't but, sure because I, I, you know, I hear like the thing broke in half or something, and I was just like, oh no, I, he probably didn't get it because it's engulfed in flames at the moment. But well, that's good. At yeah. least he got enough. <laughs> he, he got a very small sample, so he doesn't have any more because he needed the whole sample to test it. Mm-hmm. And with the test, he it came out uh, yeah positive. Uh, so okay. it's also infected, it's and that's odd. why he makes all to the mainland. Yeah. First, I, I had um, uh, James re-record the lines for uh, they all got to be destroyed, but I, I, I put I already put this in, and uh, it sounds so much like Muldoon. Yeah. So afterwards, I got to love this this version, so I left it in. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. I loved that like little touch. It was so perfect when he said that all the animals should be destroyed. It was, it was, it just made sense thematically and all that. It was perfect. I loved it. Yeah. And another one of his lines, he he's just like, "Sorry, John, I can't keep this quiet any longer." Like it, it yeah. was so such a great quote, you so know. Broken just, promise. Yeah, you know, just thinking about John and you know that promise, and then what could potentially happen after that? I mean, if we're taking into the 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 situation here, like Jurassic World and all that. Doesn't seem like it mattered too much, <laughs> but you know everybody kept going about their business. But I'm interested to see what happens here in this part of the story. And um, uh, one of the uh, interesting parts here is, the, I guess the muscles are kind of just moving as this thing's burning, and, and he recognizes as it's moving that it's a, a male Velociraptor just washing up on this shore. So that's uh, that's really interesting. I, I'm super curious to find out what else has washed around or you know why is this happening and and all that so there is so many questions and there's plenty of episodes left so i think uh we'll get some answers and stuff like that that i'm i'm really excited about yeah pretty soon uh, we'll know more uh, what happens after the call yeah (laughs) but yeah that was an awesome episode i really liked that one a lot um for this episode, I also really loved the um, the soundtrack coming together with the last part with Gutierrez. I had this uh, this track from Batman vs Superman in mind for this, and okay. it fit perfectly. That somehow it, it works it works like that a few times. I know you just so happen to pick like the perfect scores <laughs> for all <of> these. <laughs> like they just work so so well. Like you mix in and out. Like this one had uh, what is this? The ghost and the darkness, something from that. Uh, someone's death yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's a name there, but uh, not to give any spoilers. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I was I was like, what? So who's someone? Okay. All right. It makes a lot of sense now. You're not gonna go the whole like uh, episode one Star Star Wars yeah. uh, route and just last, spoil it. Last time with the trek from um, the, the Lion King, you you saw you seemed a little bit uncomfortable with naming <laughs> name. So I thought, okay, let's just leave the name off. Oh no, I was I was cracking up at that because it was like Mufasa's death, and I as I was reading, I was like, well, spoilers, but no, who cares? That's an old movie; it doesn't matter. Yeah, it was really funny to listen to. <laughs> yeah, because every time I do one of these, it's like a stream of consciousness. And actually, as we were just talking, I kind of just like dove into that mindset, and I, I forgot we were recording for a second. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, I gotta let him talk for a second. Yeah. I'm used to like spitting all these out as I'm like theorizing and talking about it to myself. So it's funny yeah. how, how you can go from, you know, uh, like a solo recording and it, sometimes you forget that you're recording with somebody else <laughs> when that happens. Yeah, luck- so. Luckily, we're just now one on one. So I know yeah. I can talk but with uh, with to- uh, Tom last time. Um, there were four 
four guys in the in the call, and I was just listening. I thought I was just listening to a podcast, and then uh, <laughs> at some point I thought, okay, I can say something. <laughs> I know. Oh, that is the worst because when you're like sitting there talking with people that you've heard before on a recording, you just yeah, yeah. You, yeah you think you're just listening. You've got your headphones in. You're like listening to a podcast, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, me, oh, I'm up. <laughs> Oh, that happens so often. I, it, it kills me. But uh, Yeah, you find yourself nodding along and no one can hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this time you can actually comment along, so you, you can't forget that part. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. Who do we have? I, you know, Ross has been doing um, a great job as Henry Wu, and he did another awesome yeah, job in this episode. He surprised me so much with the first time he sent me his Henry Wu lines, and I thought, this is Henry Wu. It's really great. I didn't know his voice before, I think, um, I, and only knew him from the... No, I, I knew his voice, but I met him in London, uh, but this oh, was yeah. a very short, short time. I, I was in London for the um, double feature in uh, what is Prince Charles Cinema. Oh, nice, my fir- yeah. My first time uh, in London. Nice. Yeah, and that then, must have been pretty epic. <laughs> Yeah, it was really nice. I just flew in in the the night before, no, the, the in the morning, and then in the the morning after I uh, returned, so it was just to London and back oh, to man. to go Quick to the trip. cinema. I, I walked through London the whole way, uh, the whole whole day. And then after that, I uh, went to the cinema, and then two o'clock, I um, passed by Selfridges because I promised my wife I took a picture of it, <laughs> <laughs> and I continued back to the hotel. <laughs> I think I slept four hours, three hours, four hours, and then oh, I boy. took a shower and left for the museum, and yeah. then I went home again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, that's an epic trip there. I w- yeah, I, I heard about that event, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to go to that. It would be so awesome. Yeah, it was really nice to meet so, a few of the other guys as well. I guess speaking about your particular fandom, uh, moving on, we'll, we'll get back to Extinction Level again, uh, talk a little bit more about that. But I want to find out more about you and like where your your head's at when you're becoming a fan. So, um, you know, you started submitting stuff to the podcast. I think it was like May of, of 2017 um, and kind of preparing for Extinction Level. But your fandom has been around so much longer than that, I'm assuming. So you, you seem super experienced in like the themes of these films and books and, and super knowledgeable about all these intertwined storylines and running them through the books and out, you know, out of the books and into the movies and, and like stuff that doesn't necessarily tie together, but you're like tying stuff together. So you know a ton, but where did that all stem from? Like your Jurassic Park fandom? What was like the, do you remember like the first time you saw it or any of your first memories about the series? Yeah, I remember the first time I went to the cinema in part. I knew, uh, I know I uh, kept my eyes closed the first time Gennaro <laughs> got eaten and the first time in the kitchen. I think uh-huh. I was 12 at the time. Um, and then I went to the cinema a second time uh, to see the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. So, but it started uh, from the from the first movie for me. So all the way back in 93, you're, you're sitting there yeah. getting scared. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember I was with a friend and we uh, decided to walk the way back, but we were in a cinema town, a town further, so it was a long, long walk. And then we decided to take the bus, but it was a Sunday. (laughs) Took an hour and then we called eventually, so it was a very strange way to go back, come home. That's that's what I remember from from that first night. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so that was your first introduction. You didn't uh, get involved in the books or anything first? 
no, no. I, uh, my first introduction was the movie, and I, I think I didn't even see the trailer from it. I saw one shot with Ellie Sattler uh, calling Run um, to Alan Grant at, at the top of the hill, and that was it. That was the first scene I, I've seen before I saw the movie. Uh, so I was really surprised with the, with the raptors uh, in the beginning of the movie. I had no clue what was going on, and then I was... Yeah, thrown back. I, how to, I'm not sure how to say it. I really was amazed with with the story, and I really believed it was possible. With and, and I I know I was looking, I was enthusiastic about dinosaurs before. Um, I was watching uh, Land of the Lost uh, with the the hand puppets and stuff like that. Um, and then seeing these dinosaurs on the screen, they they were real. <laughs> yeah, for a twelve-year-old kid, they, they just did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all it takes, you know. Just seeing those things on screen to just hook you for life—it's it's pretty crazy experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it, it started there, and I think everything for me with the whole uh, loving soundtracks, reading the books from movies, watching movies, learning the names of the actors—it uh, all started with Jurassic Park for me. Hmm. I, I went to the library and I rented the, the the CD, I think, from Jurassic Park, the soundtrack, the first soundtrack uh, I had mm-hmm. uh, rented, and then later I bought it. And I uh, printed the, the the inside of it. I went to a copy shop and I ha- had it printed uh, large. <laughs> yeah, nice. I hung it above my bed. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, crazy stuff like that. After Jurassic Park, I really wanted to know the, what, what would happen afterwards. And when I heard Michael Crichton was writing a second book, I bought that one the moment it got out. I also, the video uh, of Jurassic Park, I watched it a hundred times after it, it was released. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was great, crazy, went, went crazy. <laughs> yeah. Another time? <laughs> again? Again? Yeah. VHS again, is again. just like ran, ran yeah. until they broke, right? Yeah, I had time. I think I have... Four, I, I bought the movie four times on VHS. I, I don't know how many times on DVD, and I, I've got it three times on Blu-ray now. I don't know why. It's just different edition. I know they just do that to you. They just make you buy all these different editions over and over and over. Yeah, yeah it's it's ridiculous. And some of them come with like a cool, you know, alternate uh, VHS. Like Jurassic Park came with those and stuff. It was such a great time to be a fan. And and I think you're right. Like. It is that time period where you start like um, being more involved in film and start wondering like more about film and how things are made and and just like watching all these yeah. behind the scenes footage and and uh, just trying to learn about the actors and all that. So it is like a very good you know kicking off point for a lot of people. Yeah, and they had the books too, the making of of mm-hmm. Jurassic Park and the Lost World. Really, really great books. Yeah, yeah and looking I, at them, <laughs> I always wonder. You know, what is it like for people around the world? You know, I I know what my fandom was here in the U.S. And it was a very uh, isolated experience because it was just me and my cousin and maybe my sister. You know, we were the only ones that I knew at that time, aside from like maybe one kid in school like years before. But there was nobody else. So I always wonder around the world, like, what is the experience? Because you're from the Netherlands, right? Yeah, correct. So, yeah, what was for me, the... the experience is the same. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, I don't really know anyone who's that crazed about Jurassic Park as I am. 
around <laughs> me. Uh, then, then of course you meet online uh, a lot of people who know much more. Even <laughs> it's funny how that <laughs> it's works. It's really, really fun. Yeah, it's it's great. I like I, I really love it. Yeah, you you go from being like the most knowledgeable one to all of a sudden you have to deal with so many people that know so much more and can like quote more and like like James for instance he can quote like certain segments of the movie like from his memory and he's always sending yeah. us audio from it and it's so hilarious how he does that um so you find these people that just know so much more about it and just fandom that that like equals your level even and, and you're just like wow like yeah. I feel welcomed here it's a good thing yeah, exactly. Here, here I can talk about Jurassic Park, and people say, "Yeah, I got the same feeling about that." And instead of, "What are, what are you talking about?" I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> but uh, what is it that kept that fandom alive for you after all those years? Because, you know, obviously, I guess the movies kept it alive for a few years. A little bit of gaps here and there, but yeah. not too bad. And then, obviously, like what was it, fourteen years, I, I believe, before Jurassic World. So, what is it that kind of kept that alive for you after all that time? It's a really good question. I didn't expect that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I really, I actually don't know. We had, of course, The Lost World and then Jurassic Park 3. And I, I always tried to start writing. Because after The Lost World, it was that the book had lost so much uh, in the movie. There was so much more in the books than, than was in the movie for me. Mm. So that's why I started writing after The Lost World. Uh, I always, I always read, I've always written other stories, uh, but about Jurassic Park was after The Lost World. And um, in 2001, uh, Jurassic Park 3 came out, and I started another few stories. And I, I think it was the rumors. And then, of course, you get the. Um, uh, social media um, that was later on but when when you get to interact with other guys talking about Jurassic Park and then you see stuff um, online not really sure what what kept it going but in 2011 I started writing the first two stories um, that I finally finished because I the other stories I never got to work really well and these two I got to finish and then I was contacted in 2015 about those scripts uh, yeah just after the lost world uh, Jurassic World sorry <laughs> and <laughs> and that's that's what got me to write extinction level eventually uh, because I wanted to adapt those first two screenplays to one story that fit the canon okay so, yeah, and so I, I guess include, uh, I must run global as well in canon yeah, so you're kind of trying to uh, figure it out as you're going along, and, and that sounds like what's kept you alive, like all this time, or your fandom alive, is just kind of like weaving in and out these theories and stuff after Jurassic Park three, and all that talk around the time when people are talking about Jurassic Park four and what's going to come, yeah. and you're just like, all right, I gotta come up with this story and weave in and out all these details that I'm, I'm thinking about. And obviously the Jurassic world stuff comes along. So that really does sound like enough, you know, for me, it was like, uh, the toys and stuff like that. Did you ever get into any of the, uh, the collecting or toys or anything like that? I did. I think I did. I had the, the spitter and the velociraptor from the first Jurassic park. And I filled it with black ink and my mother wasn't too happy about that. because <laughs> oh, it stings. <laughs> Oh, but, God. So I, <laughs> I, I stopped using that. 
Oh, that's one of those things then, that you just every every kid did, you know, something stupid with their toys, and, and yeah, was... <laughs> yeah, and parents don't expect them to do that, and, and then they have to deal with the the stuff. That yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I, I bought more after Jurassic, after the Lost World, because then I had more money to spend. So I had to have the green Rex, and um, I, I think I also had the Triceratops, but I can't find it anymore. Oh. Um, the Stegosaurus I have, a few other small ones. Yeah, I think... and of course the the diecast statues, yeah, mm-hmm. which which I finally completed this Christmas. Yeah, that, first. It's, but it's... no, and I, I never really played. But I, what I usually did with the toys is put it in a, a certain order and make up the story around it. Yeah, it's it's a strange uh, that's, that's hobby, you know. You just everybody has their own way of of collecting and, and amassing these toys and and different memorabilia and all that stuff. So I always like uh, find it interesting yeah. to see what other people did because you know I threw mine around. I was maybe maybe a little bit younger because you said you were like twelve uh, around the time of the first movie. So I was just maybe a few years younger, but. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm playing like crazy with these things, and and it shows, you know, the wear and tear on all these things, and I, I kind of like that about them. And and now I'm I've got them all lined up and stuff too. So it's uh it's funny how that works and how you you know change your collecting styles over the years and stuff. Yeah, my stuff is uh, is almost in mint condition, just not the boxes. Yeah. And lately, my son started to play with um, the Lost Worlds uh, Carter with the motorcycle. And of course, it's broken now. Oh, no. <laughs> so I glued it together. So it, it just it, it it should have been able to break, and then uh, you could put it together again. And now it's it it was really broken. So I glued it together now, and it kind of cannot break like it used to, but it still looks good. <laughs> yeah. So you've got a young yeah, kid it's, too, it's for right? Playing. He's pretty young still, right? Yeah. yeah he's, Two and a half now. Yeah. So, yeah. so how do you feel about that? Like, uh, obviously, you had one uh, breakage there. So, uh, are you interested in in passing along a lot of these, you know, toys and other things, or, or are you deciding to keep some of it for yourself? Yeah. Like, how's that work for you? I've got a display, and what's in the display is not to be play is not to play with, <laughs> and the other stuff you can play. With. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's the such display a, is locked. It's it's a tough situation because like. Yeah, I certainly have things that I'm like, all right, nobody nobody should touch these. But then other ones I'm like, oh, these, yeah. are, these are good and they're hefty. Like, go ahead. You can throw them around because um, right now we – I have um, a nephew who's like uh, two and like two and a half or so, I, I think. And uh, my son is – he's only almost six months at this point. So he's not really playing with any, any of that stuff yet. Um, but it's funny. I We've had kids come over and like other friends' kids and – and I had my toys out, and and they're like throwing them across the room. I had the bolt T Rex out, like on the couch, <laughs> and I I come back home because like I think they were over in the middle of the day when I was at work or something. And my wife's like, "Yeah, he was throw he threw that toy against the fireplace, and you know, smashed that one against the wall." And I'm like, "Oh no, don't do that! <laughs> don't let that happen!" <laughs> but like. I got to yeah. figure that out still. I, you know, I have a little bit of time before he can play with all this stuff. So I'm trying to uh, figure out, you know, what, what stays and what goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty solid stuff. So it, it doesn't it doesn't really break. 
most of it. Yeah, yeah, I think for the most part it is. Yeah, there, I have some of my vehicles are a little falling apart and and like stuff like the high hide. I, I don't have like all the pieces and and uh, the motorcycles don't have all the pieces. Like yeah, you said something broke on yours. My, I'm missing like handlebars and all kinds of stuff on that. <laughs> so. Well, sure, go ahead. Mess with those. It's That's fine. To be it, so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are toys. They, they can handle it. And then you could always buy new ones if you yeah. want to. And it just adds to the story because right now, like the story is just me and my cousin and my sister. It, it, that's the only story is us playing with those those items. So it'll be interesting to add a new layer to that story. And I, I you know, I'll have something else to remember as as I look at these toys, which is a really cool um, way to look at it. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask you, I know it's a little polarizing for everybody, but how would you rank these films? Some people have a, a hard time ranking them or, you know, <laughs> one to four, but what do you think? Do you have a certain order that you view these in? Um, yeah, I definitely put Jurassic Park first and then the Lost Worlds and afterwards Jurassic Park three and Jurassic Worlds and not Jurassic Worlds specifically last, but, um, well, I think it's the same level of Jurassic Park 3. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I really, I, yeah, I don't really dislike any of them. Um, I, 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 for most movies, it counts that I dislike them at first, except for the first one. Even The Lost World, um, I disliked it at the beginning because it was so different from the, from the book. Mm, yeah. But then afterwards, you you yeah just accept that it's different, and you start to look at the movie from from the standalone perspective, and then it's it's a good movie. It's really enjoyable. Mm. And the same goes for Jurassic Park three. I the only part I disliked from that movie is that it ended. But, you know, well, <laughs> who does who, who does want the movie to end? <laughs> so. Yeah, I really like that it picked up so many points from the from the second book, and to recognize some of the stuff from the first book as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and for Jurassic World, I'm just really happy that it's there. Yeah, and yeah, it could have been better, but let's just let's just see what Fallen Kingdom is going to give us. Yeah, I think all all these films have their faults and and downfalls and stuff like that. But you know, we're fans and we look past yeah. a lot of it. And you know, we've got nostalgic eyes where we we don't even consider the issues that may may appear in Jurassic Park or or sometimes The Lost World. We just look past a lot of that stuff and just assume that they're all like perfect films, and and that's okay, you know. And we can have a, a good time with them. And you know, Jurassic Park three wasn't perfect for me. I I actually didn't like it at first, but now I find it to be very enjoyable. And it's probably one of the ones that I put on my TV more often than not, mostly because it is short, I guess, and it's a it's a very quick, fast paced movie. You don't really have to sit there and think about it and watch it. You know, it just happens. And then, like you said, it ends. And yeah. you're like, oh, I thought it was going to be longer than that. But no, it's pretty short. Yeah, yeah same for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm really interested, though. What's your, uh, what's your expectations for uh, Fallen Kingdom? Uh, I try not to get too much expectations. I, I really loved the um, behind-the-scenes spot because it was very fast. And it, like Jennifer said as well, the music of that just really gets, yeah, gives me gives me goosebumps. And and the the trailer is is a nice addition. Um, and I don't um, 
I, I really just want to see it. I, <laughs> I'm waiting for the movie to come out and I'm really going to enjoy it, I guess. Yeah. At this point, like, don't even give us anything else. We've got enough. This is it. We'll yeah. analyze, you know, that behind the scenes and the trailer, you know, until the day the movie comes out. And I don't think we need much. I know they'll give us some stuff here and there, but it's just like, just give us the movie. Like, that's all we want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm excited. But like you said, I, I, uh, I'm trying to like temper my expectations and, and not get too overhyped now. You know, it, it's hard when you're, yeah. when you're discussing it on a podcast every week, um, not to get too overhyped <laughs> or cre- yeah, create too many theories and whatnot, but that's what I'm trying to, I'm trying to back off, back off the theories just cause I don't want to get too crazed about it. You know? Yeah. And if you get expectations that you really wanted to go in and then it doesn't go in that direction, then you're just disappointed. And that's, exactly. that's a shame. Yeah, and that, I think that was the issue with Jurassic World for a lot of people is is that expectation that you're going to get Jurassic Park again. And, you yeah. know, that didn't happen. It's obviously a very, very different film, and uh, it's okay to be very different. And, you know, it's just I understand why uh, people are let down by it. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen comments uh, on, online as well um, that, that are very accurate, and I agree with a lot of the negative comments as well, just not the tone. Uh, the very negative tone that they yeah. they put it in. I think if if they uh, made it more, um, yeah, like like a learning uh, kind of yeah document, then then I agree with them. Yeah, there's but there's it, it, yeah, there's a difference all, though between just, just being overly critical for no reason and then being like actually giving a good critique that could benefit you know the future of the franchise and the future of the fandom and all that. So there's a big difference there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it, it's, but overall, it's it, it got us a lot of uh, new newcomers uh, loving the franchise. So yeah, cannot be that bad. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. I know it's 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 created a, a whole new world for everybody in the fandom, and you know we we would probably not be talking at the moment, you know, and and creating this you know community and whatnot. It would just it would just be you know what it was for the past fourteen years and slowly dying off. So we we have to thank you know everybody that. Yeah you know, rebooted this, this project and, and got it off the ground and, you know, created something yeah. that's, that's very, that's very good. You know, it's a, it did a great job at what it needed to do. And, uh, I really, I really loved that they introduced Masrani and I really loved the, the, the backstory, uh, with Hoskins, no, not so much his history, but, uh, his, his character type. And I think it, I, I really do like the, the tame, tamed raptors. I was already introduced to tame raptors with the comics. So it wasn't really a new idea to me, and I, I thought it was possible because, like, like dogs too, like wolves, they're very aggressive. But you can, dogs are related to wolves, and they're very tame and, and loving towards humans. So, mm-hmm. not that raptors will ever be loving towards humans, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. I mean, but, we didn't live that yeah, back no. then, so maybe they were like very sweet, innocent uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I agree that I, I do want to really see the you know, tame raptors versus wild raptors. That's something I really love to see. Yes. But, yeah, and of course the wild raptors would win. Would win. But, yeah, I have yeah. a feeling. Unless like the tame ones are just like sort of like, you know, if you take like a, a basketball team, like an NBA team versus like some guys that get together on the weekend, like <laughs> the NBA team will just destroy <laughs> them most likely. So I would assume that yeah. maybe maybe these tamed Raptors have like a, a, a thorough like plan that they run by. And it's just like, 
you know, just taking everything out one by one, like systematically. But I do feel like uh, I'm on your side there. I feel like the wild, you know, aspect of it, like the Lost World Raptors just seem so brutal, you know, like so crazed. And and I feel like they'd take down any Raptor almost. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love for no reason. (laughs) I I know. Exactly. I loved that moment, though, in uh, Extinction Level that you you brought to, to life there that that raptor battle i keep talking about how awesome that was probably probably one of my favorite parts of extinction level so far is just like hearing that come to life and just hearing them battle it it out it was so cool did it sound familiar (laughs) i mean yeah it it definitely did i love that uh, the 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 fighting uh, was the original Uh uh, part from jurassic park where they were fed by the from the cow yeah I love that, how you yeah, can like good. find these audio cues and, and fit them into extinction level in the perfect way. And you're cutting, you're probably yeah. cutting in and around, you know, the other audio and different stuff like that from the movies and trying to like fit this stuff in perfectly. And it, it's seamless, you know, you, I don't know, as a creator, maybe you find like, oh, maybe I could have done that differently or this or that. But like, as a listener, it's just so awesome to hear all those things come together and, and fit so perfectly. Yeah. I love that. Well, that, that's that's really nice uh, for for me to listen to it while making it because it really comes together piece by piece, and then you add <laughs> another uh, sound here and another sound there, and yeah. it really comes to life. And that's that's something I think that's amazing for any creator yeah. when you see or hear something come to life. In my in my case, it's hearing. So yeah, and I I'm, I'm, I wish I was more. Um, creative in the sense of video or drawings but uh, i'm not blessed there <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that to other people to take care of we'll, we'll yeah, do the audio exactly. end. <laughs> yeah. so you got into writing and decided you wanted to do like a jurassic park fan fiction early on it seems like and um yeah and you combined these scripts and, and made i guess extinction level right so at what point did you decide like hey i want to take this script and turn it into audio um, yeah, I, I really wanted to do more with this script because I had already written two scripts and, you know, it, it, um, you put them online and a few people read them and you you never hear anything about it because, yeah, I, me, myself, I don't read that well online uh, on, on the screen and, mm-hmm. yeah, who's going to print uh, a fan-written screenplay? I, I don't think too many people do that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I really want, I just wanted to do more with this script, and then I pitched it to a few people uh, on the on the chat, on the, the WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ross Ross was one of the first that was very 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 enthusiastic, which really surprised me a little bit. And uh, yeah, from there I got the idea going. Uh, I, I had a comic in mind as well, but like I said, I'm not too good with uh, drawings. I, I did a few drawings, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that didn't really get me excited it, it so never comes out the way you want it to you have this like vision <laughs> no. in your mind i'm a great artist i could do this and then you actually put <laughs> put pencil to paper and you're like uh nope i don't have it yeah, i can't mind. do it <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, you, the, the, what you have in your in your mind is so much different than what you see <laughs> on the paper eventually so yeah yeah i just stopped Stop that, and uh, yeah, then I got the idea for the radio play after your uh, your podcast on the uh, with, with, with the robot. Um, I forgot oh, the, the name. The two XL. Two XL, yeah, that one. Uh, so that one got me into thinking like that, and uh, the 
audiobooks were mentioned as well. So I thought, well, maybe that's a nice way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And so it started with uh, the trailer in uh, episode 99 of your podcast. Yeah. Of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this one that you're I currently listening we're, to. We're airing this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny because I I listened back to that one recently, and it's it was just you, you know, you kind of just like yeah. subtly put it out there, and and it was like and nobody knew what to expect really of it, so it's just like all right, you know, yeah. people come to me, you know, pretty often and just say like, hey, do you think I could do a segment or do you think I could put this out there or play this audio or whatnot? So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's let's play it, and then. Uh, from the, from that point, from what you created Let's in that first is. episode to what it turned into is so awesome and such a dramatic change, you know, because you did all the voices and stuff yourself and it sounded great. Yeah. And then to think of how how it like it blew up and became what it did is, is so awesome. Yeah, it was really nice when I uh, approached someone on Twitter. I usually contact people through Twitter. Mm-hmm. Would you be interested to to record a voice? And, and most people were just really, yeah, cool, of course. It's really nice, <laughs> really nice response to get. Yeah, people in the community are, are so, pretty awesome. For example, Francisco. Yeah, for example, Francisco Casco, who plays Gonzalo in this episode. Um, yeah, he was really enthusiastic directly, and uh, only afterwards I discovered. Uh, he had a. He's a paleontologist himself, and mm-hmm. he has the, the Alpaca Zoico website. So he's very, um, yeah, very much involved in in Spanish. I so, know, and I needed yeah. someone who knew Spanish for the, for the role. That's so funny so because it's very nice. It's it's like a, a section of fandom that you know we we speak English here and, and and all that. So I don't see that end of end of the fandom. You know, he has a huge following and a and a, a huge presence online that he's doing, and it's so awesome to kind of yeah. weave that into what we're doing and 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 vice versa. So it's very cool, and I uh, it opens you up because I didn't even like knew that existed in a way, and I, I feel bad about that, but like it's just not focused towards me because I can't. I don't speak Spanish, unfortunately. That's you know my own fault. Yeah. <laughs> but I try to learn it now because my wife is, is Peruvian, so she, her parents, uh, my per, uh, parents in law in laws, they speak Spanish, and yeah. for that reason, I, I try to learn it. <laughs> That's one of the only reasons I've learned tried to learn it as well because I, I went to Peru and and just like had no clue yeah, I what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were, you went to to uh, Machu Picchu. I did, yeah. I went to like Lima, uh, uh, what's the other one? Man, uh, Cusco and uh, Machu Picchu and all that. Yeah, it was an awesome country. It's such a great place. I've only seen Lima so far and a place a little up north. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's off topic. <laughs> but, well. <laughs> how, can we, how can we weave dinosaurs into this story? Uh, yeah, I went to Peru and <laughs> I went to Machu Picchu and I was like looking at the, the you know, the ancient temple and just like I found dinosaur bones. Yeah, there it is. That's how it fits. They have no dinosaurs in Nazca. <laughs> I believe. Um, but yeah, so – uh, one of the interesting things I'm wondering about uh, Extinction Level is um, from script to audio drama, was there any kind of changes that you felt yourself or find yourself uh, making, you know, along the way, yeah. whether maybe this part in the script didn't work in, in an audio version or did you find any issues like that? Yeah, definitely. It's from the start, uh, the moment I started to record for the audio play, I noticed that most most things in the script were written uh, in a way that you see it, but you don't see it, so that, that doesn't work. Yeah. So you really need to 
to describe the things a little bit differently. So every episode I rewrite for the radio program, the radio play, and then um, I record the whole episode uh, in one go with my own voice. And then later what I cut, the, cut every part um, <laughs> for, for all the voices. And then I add in all the voice clips that I have from everyone who sent it in. That's funny. That's, uh, you know, cause you said you were styling it off of two XL and, um, you know, we did a Halloween episode and I did my own version of two XL. Like I, I did all the voices at first, like exactly like what you just said. Like I recorded yeah. all my stuff and then, asked people around the community to do the same thing like you're doing and then I interspliced them in there as well so that man that's we're, we're, we're on the same level here I like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's it's a great way of working I guess because you also know the timing yeah a little bit of the episode but I, I get what you mean because a lot of times I'll script out what what's going on on the podcast and and like the news and the intros and all that and then when I go to read them I'm like oh that doesn't read well so I kind of like change things up as I'm going along so I, I understand how that you know how that happens and it probably takes you quite a while how, how long does it take you to assemble all these episodes? Uh, I think every episode uh, at first they were very short so three, I, I listened to every episode a few times and now with episodes of 10 minutes that takes <laughs> every time 10 minutes to listen to the episode and mm-hmm. spot new things but I think for um, these 10 minute episodes I, it takes me 12 hours yeah yeah I get that <laughs> with, with from, from writing uh, writing again from the screenplay to finding all the voice uh, the the sounds I want to add and listening for sounds where where I can add them. Yeah, you oh, said yeah. you said the earlier ones were like three minutes, and I'm like, well, th- yeah, three minutes can turn into like a very uh, a long, you know, like a many hours worth of editing and figuring out what you need yeah. to do. So it's no small feat, even just producing three minutes of content, you know. Yeah, yeah, you really get to respect all the, the foley artists and stuff like that for for, for this. <laughs> and I don't even make I don't even make the sounds myself. I, I find them on YouTube and, <laughs> and see what 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 works. And for sometimes uh, for some things, I use some very different sounds. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't want to give those uh, those things away, but yeah, I use <laughs> sometimes very different sounds than what it, it, it describes is happening. Uh-huh. But it works. So it, it does. Yeah, that's, you that's just. What you, you can maybe throw effects on or different sounds and, and intersplice it with other things and it ends up sounding just the way you want it to. And I mean that's what they did in the movies, you know, they didn't they didn't have dinosaurs yeah. to go and record. So they got other things and they interspliced them and made yeah. the best version they could. Yeah, how great is that with the Velociraptor with the dolphin and the whale and and, and yeah. I, I don't know what I don't know, you, you just create like the best version that what you think it could sound like and it's fun. It's really fun. I know I have a lot of uh, a lot of fun editing different things like that and just like even the um the site B segments where we, you know, kind of pretend like we're on site B. I just like having uh, you know, birds chirping and just uh, you know, sounds of like nature yeah. and stuff like that and and every now and then I throw in roars, but you know, those <laughs> roars are actually just like a walrus, uh, you know, a tiger yeah. or, you know, something that sound vaguely dinosaur. It's so it works. Yeah. I had a new, there's a new dinosaur coming up, which we haven't seen in the movies yet. Uh, in one of the, I want to add that I can give away. I'm not saying which one. So <laughs> I'm also, <laughs> so I was also looking for what would this sound like? Is it a big animal or a small animal? Mm-hmm. How to make it bigger or smaller? It's, it's nice to look, to look into it that way. Yeah, and of course you have to go by existing animals. 
because you don't have sounds from extinct animals. Yeah, yeah, just like comparing yeah, you, the sizes and different things, and yeah, and it so must, yeah, that's really it, really fun to work with. It must be fun to kind of um, you know work with the the human aspect of of the community and and not just trying to make up sounds, but like getting people from all around, like like you talked about uh, Francisco or James or you know you got all these people that are are taking part. Is it has it been fun like corralling all these people together and and or has it even been like difficult to schedule or plan ahead? Um, no, not really. It's, it's been very easy actually. <laughs> It's, it's one one of the things that amazed me because I didn't expect people to be that open to to go into this because uh, well I don't think they have read the story at first and I just um, I think I sent everyone like I, I sent you a few lines and so the most people I just send a few lines but like uh, Jennifer as well she has a very long list of lines mm-hmm. and she was open to it and James as well uh, for Hammond. And Ross, uh, for Ross, I, uh, Henry Wu is a very big part, and as we've heard in the last few episodes. Mm-hmm. And they were very, very open to, to record. And it's really nice the way it's been uh, uh, received. And not only, you know, inside of our community, but you also have a lot of people outside the community, too, that like names we don't necessarily know or recognize, people that you know, you know, everyday life. Yeah. So how has it been, you know, integrating people that may not care too much about Jurassic, but you know feel like they they can play a role in this series i'm really grateful for those for them to to help me out with this <laughs> yeah and I, i'm not really sure if they hear the episodes i think i do send them the episodes uh when i finish them so then at least they can hear uh, what it sounds like but not everyone uh, of, of them follows the follows the story mm-hmm yeah, I think you, you've got your, your wife on there a lot, and uh, like, what yeah. did you say, coworkers or something like that? Like, yeah, an old coworker of mine, uh, <laughs> Hammond Mishra, he does the the voice for uh, Masrani. Yeah, he's great. And yeah, a few friends of mine are doing the voices as well. That's that's awesome, and and yeah, it's always interesting to kind of bring this stuff up uh, outside of the community and be like, hey guys, I. Uh, I do this thing, you know, it's a, a thing that, yeah. uh, you know, it's Jurassic Park and, you know, you maybe get a few weird looks, but you're like, hey, you know, it means something to me. Do you mind uh, participating in it? So, you know, it's a, I give you a lot of credit for asking, you know, outside the community as well. Yeah, well, it, it started out to to do so because I needed people to, to do the voices and I didn't really know who to ask. And, um, yeah, at first I, I had no clue. Like, the first few, most people are in the beginning of the episodes. And one friend, I, he really wanted to be involved as well, so I asked him as well um, for one of the parts. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he, he will come in later. Uh, but most, most of the voices were in the beginning, so when I really just needed people and didn't know uh, who to address because I'm not too... Normally, I'm not that open. I don't speak a lot. <laughs> and that, that was really funny as well because in the first few episodes, it really got my throat hurting because I, yeah. <laughs> normally I, I don't use my voice too that much. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. recording all those episodes in one go, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I, I'm what, over like 150 episodes, you know, side episodes and all that stuff. And after recording for an hour, I'm like, oh, man, my voice is getting there. You know, it's hurting. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really sure. Because like you, I don't really care to talk that much outside of the podcast. 
<laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've got a lot left for Extinction Level. I mean, we're, we're probably, what, lined out until around Fallen Kingdom, maybe before or after. I'm not sure where you're, where you're set up there, but yeah. it, it's got a lot left, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, I have no clue how long, uh, how many minutes it will be, but we're now at the one and a half hour point, I think, with all the episodes. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're halfway with the number of episodes. So we're now at number 14 and we planned 28 episodes. Okay, nice. So, yeah, and I'm not, yeah, I'm not telling anything about story first. No, yeah, don't give it away. <laughs> let, let it all unfold because like I've said before, I, I don't like to listen ahead. You know, I'll listen to the one episode mm-hmm. You know, that's currently going to come out. And sometimes you send me like multiple, you know, around the same time. And I'm like, all right, no, I'll I'll listen to those, you know, the week before that they're coming out. So that way it's kind of fresh and and new. And I can write my notes as I'm listening and and kind of get like a first reaction. So that's that's what I like to do. And and uh, I like to listen along with everybody, essentially. So I'm super excited to find out what comes next and uh, where this thing goes. It's it's so awesome. It's the descriptive language is great. You use you do this perfectly. It creates these amazing visuals between the 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 actors and the you know the soundscapes and the music and all that. I just love the sound design. So you do an amazing job with it, and I'm I'm super pumped that you know you you brought it to us and like said here you know you guys can air it first and then you know you you'll do your own thing with it afterwards so it's it's very cool i'm super happy about that i thank you so much and i also thank you for giving me the opportunity to to be on the podcast like this <laughs> for the the extinction level itself and uh, for this interview <laughs> yeah no problem it's 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 always a blast and especially you know talking with somebody that I haven't talked to you know well essentially in person before so it's always nice to do that yeah Definitely. Now, before we uh, we get you out of here, I do want to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions. It's something uh, it's something a little new that we introduced uh, on one of the uh, last visitor centers. Um, so it's rapid fire questionnaire in 30, uh, 30 seconds, or is it a minute? I don't know. It might be a minute. <laughs> All you have to do is answer these questions, uh, give an answer or either a yes or a no, and uh, I think that's going to give us some insight into how you really feel uh, about this franchise. So let me go ahead. I'm going to start the clock. You ready? Yeah. All right. Let me uh, get this thing back. Let's go to the 30-second mark. All right. Let's go. Three, two, one, go. All right, so Jurassic Park, The Lost World, JP3, or Jurassic World? We know that answer. Come on. Uh, Jurassic Park. Feathers or no feathers? No feathers. Jurassic Park area in Orlando or Hollywood? No clue. (laughs) Gymnastic scene, yes or no? Yes. Alan Grant or Ian Malcolm? Alan Grant. San Diego, yes or no? Yes. Sarah Harding or Claire Deering? Sarah Harding. Is Ben Hildebrand the worst? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right, that's that's great. That's perfect. I think uh, I think we got a good sense. And uh, like I said, I, I'm super happy that you uh, brought Extinction Level to us. You joined up on the podcast, always submitting stuff, and um, you're you're coming along on this journey with us, and we're go- going along with you. So thank you so much for all your efforts and uh, everything that you're doing. Um, in the meantime, where can everybody uh, track you down and discover what you're up to and where they can find all the uh, the solo audio for Extinction Level? 
Yeah, mostly active on Twitter uh, with the at Extinction LVLJP. That's the Extinction Level Twitter, and my own is boss underscore Arjan, A-R-J-A-N. And I have a YouTube channel, which you can find through Twitter. I don't know really the details. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll put everything in the show notes, so if you uh, want to track them down, it'll all be in there. And uh, yeah, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. All right, I'll take it. Oh, we'll, we'll discuss a lot more off the air. And uh, everybody, if you haven't yet, go back, listen to all the extinction levels, and you can find them all on his YouTube or in our episodes. And I, I seriously suggest you check them out. They're very awesome. So thanks again, Arjun, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah, bye. Sure to visit JurassicParkPodcast.com to find all our past episodes, brand new news articles, information on how to contact us, and much more. It's a great source for everything related to the podcast, and of course, Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Head to JurassicParkPodcast.com and help us build a great community. Thanks for listening to the 132nd episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a big thanks to Arjun for joining me. This is exactly what I love about this podcast, is getting the opportunity to meet fellow Jurassic Park fans and find out why they love this franchise so much. You know, I've messaged him a lot online about all this stuff, Extinction Level, and it's great to actually sit down and talk with somebody. That's something you don't get a lot through the internet. You know, you're you're always just seeing the text from the other person, so it's great to actually find out more and to hear it come straight from him so thank you so much man for producing great content for the jurassic community stay tuned there's plenty more of extinction level to come if you want to interact with us we do most of our work over on twitter at jurassic park pod we're also on facebook at facebook.com slash jurassic park podcast and our instagram handle is at jurassic park podcast you can listen to us via itunes google play Podomatic, YouTube, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So make sure to subscribe to automatically get new episodes every week. If you haven't already, please give us a five-star review in iTunes or a great review wherever you listen to the podcast. It will seriously help out our rankings and make it easier for fans like you to find us. We're usually spotted commenting on the Jurassic Park subreddit as Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to check out JurassicParkPodcast.com for all the links you heard here today. If you want to get a hold of us, you can email us with any news stories, MP3s, comments, or if you want to debut a segment of your own, send them to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. Or you can submit questions directly on our website contact form. If you'd like to record something for the show, send it in to us and we'll feature it in an upcoming episode. If you don't have any way to record, you can give our voicemail line a call and leave us a message. That number is 732 825 7763. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.